for joining. How's everything? Yeah, of course. How are you? Good, good, good. Um, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself or should I do like the boring part first uh, with uh, office hours real quick? Yeah, no, I could, um, I can give like a 30 second background and then I'll pass it over to you. Um, but hey, everyone that's online, um, great to meet you. Uh, my name is Daria Zakharova. Um, so currently I am a MBA student at Columbia Business School, hence the Upper West Side. Um, going into my second year now, um, I'm also an investment partner at Dorm Room Fund, uh, which is one of kind of the OG student VCs um, in the US. Uh, and then previously, kind of pre-business school, I've had a kind of non-linear path across different segments of finance, including kind of growth equity and also fintech, um, early stage fintech. Um, and yeah, happy to be here and provide kind of any perspective that I can. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Um, I guess, well, yeah. So Rohit Morani, quick little background. Office hours, we help out a variety of individuals, generally banking analysts think through next steps, private equity, growth equity, corp dev, what have you. Um, Daria is a good friend, or at least what I consider a good friend. Um, call it from San Francisco days all the way out to New York. Um, her and I first connected through time in San Francisco. Um, I want to say it was like, it was after city at Carrick, if I wasn't mistaken on the, on the growth equity side of things. Right. Yep. That's right. Spot on. Love it. Love it. And yes, I mean, definitely just like really interesting and like really excited for the conversation, right? Because we've started office hours specifically to help out individuals think through not necessarily the structured path as a whole, but that's definitely part of it. So Daria definitely brings in, of course, there's some structure and then of course, in some capacities, I think it's interesting because of course there's like not so much kind of that like traditional structure, which is awesome. Um, and the more and more I realize, honestly, the more and more I learn about other people's careers as a whole, generally it ends up being like effectively that, right? It's not necessarily X to Y to Z. There's always something out there where it's like, I learned something new. I wanted to do something different type of mentality. Um, so Daria, thank you so much for joining yeah. us today. Um, and I guess if we kind of really get right into it, how was your time at USC, right? Just getting an understanding of like undergraduate as a whole, what that looked like. Did you know you really, I was econ, right? Did you know you really wanted to get into like finance, working at city? What did some of that look like, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so back at SC, I can't say, I think I kind of knew that I wanted to do finance. Um, so econ, the way that it's structured at USC is it's not in Marshall. So it's outside of the business school. And honestly, like that kind of plays into why I'm at business school now. Um, Cause I just did not get that like accounting, investing, um, that type of coursework. Um, but yeah, given econ, I knew that I was interested in just like general markets and like globalization and all like kind of the dynamism, I guess, around it. Um, I didn't really know which part of financial services though, that I like wanted to end up in. And I think it was, um, kind of a learning process for me to understand all of the different pockets of like what financial services was. Um, I think like I was very familiar with kind of like trading, like sales and trading. And that was really intriguing to me. 
Um, I didn't end up doing that. Um, also new investment banking, but I didn't like necessarily have that kind of like accounting skill set and knowledge to just jump into banking from there, mm-hmm. um, from SC. And so it was just kind of, um, honestly, it was kind of trial and error for me where I landed at city and I landed in a rotational program. Rotational. Yeah. Yep. And that gave me, so specifically it was like in within their private bank. And I think the private bank is super interesting um, and kind of confusing to people in the sense that like they do have, like they work with uh, ultra high net worth individuals, but also like family offices. And so it's like a very sophisticated actually investment process for them or portfolio allocation Mm -hmm. process. Um, And so when I ended up there, I actually got a lot of just, like information around like alternative asset classes and like all of these various like credit offerings and structured products and all of that stuff. And so from there, I kind mm-hmm. of figured out, oh, okay, maybe like, you know, VC kind of like private investing is a path that would be interesting to me um, versus the cool. other ones. But that was kind of the, how I ended up at City. Not really. Nice. Yeah. Interesting. And I think this is interesting because at the end of the day, of course, part of it ends up being you have that banking path forward in some ways. Then you also have that not banking path forward in some ways. Right. So, like, did you think about getting into banking as a whole? Um, Was that something that you not only gave some thought to, but then, of course, like, I mean, this is honestly, Daria, like super helpful for the individuals listening that may not get directly into banking fresh out. Right. And understand that it can totally, totally be okay, Right. Because you go down like a different path. Try something different, eventually end up still in growth equity, still do that, not to mention, of course, business school, get to VC eventually, what have you. Um, we can get to that a little bit later. Um, but I guess banking versus rotational, is that something that you looked into? It's just like, you know what, I, I don't necessarily want to go down the banking route. Yeah. Um, so I did look into banking. I did. I think I just like very quickly realized that I was not kind of like it would be a very difficult road for me to get into banking. Um, it would be a lot, like lots of networking, a lot of like, you know, actually like taking accounting on the side, like really figuring out like the technical um, interview portion. And so I think for me, I just kind of t- took like a less risky path where I was like, okay, I got an offer at City um, within their rotational program. I think maybe I can transfer if like I get my foot in the door. I can like obviously pick up a bunch of really interesting knowledge, like within the rotational program and then kind of make a decision. Um, but I did consider banking just because I think, as you mentioned, like, I'm not going to lie. I think the, the path of you go into banking and then you do have this like structured and fairly linear process that makes things way easier. Um, you have to get like less creative, um, in terms of like how you maneuver around. But I think for me, I was like, I'll go to city and I'll figure it out type of thing. Cool. Yeah. Did private equity, big cap type stuff, um, buyout type stuff ever interest you? It was more kind of like growth equity focused. Yeah. It, for me, it was more growth equity focused. I think if I had, yeah, the understanding maybe like an undergrad or earlier in my career that maybe like buyout would be something that was of interest. I think I would have doubled down probably on like a more structured path because I will say from my I think from my personal perspective and like knowledge of people um, that I've seen kind of take the path, I think it would be easier to like land uh, like a job like that further on if you have like the technical skill set of banking. Yep. Yep. And then I guess if you think about it, like where did, um, how did Carrick get into the mix and like growth equity as a whole? 
Yeah. Um, so basically at city got kind of, um, like it was very intrigued by again, like alternative, like the alternative asset class was like very interested in investing, was very interested in tech. Um, and so I think I made the decision to leave city, um, with the goal of actually like landing at a fund, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, so at that point I had done quite a bit of research of, you know, well, what would that take? Right. Like what steps mm -hmm. do I need to take and how do I really differentiate myself and like kind of put myself out there in order to be successful? Um, and what I consistently kept on hearing was, you know, operating experience is actually very valuable. Um, and so you could actually like, if you don't go the banking route, if you go like to startup and get operating experience, like put yourself in the shoes of like a founder, um, that could actually be like a door opener in a way mm -hmm. to um, more often like earlier stage investing, like growth, but also kind of in that category. And so that's kind of what I did uh, right after City. I joined a uh, early stage fintech startup. Uh, they were um, kind of, they were specifically originating small loans uh, for franchises. And as part of that job, like one, I just wore a ton of hats. So I kind of knew like I was kind of a jack of all trades and kind of knew what it was like at the end to kind of grow a business in a way um, at a very high level. Um, but two, I kind of developed this like business acumen, um, because we were looking at franchises and I kind of was, you know, I kind of developed a perspective of, oh, you know, I think this franchise is actually like, would be very interesting to invest in. And like, these are the reasons why. Um, and so after being there for like about a, you know, a year, I kind of started putting out feelers and being in San Francisco, I kind of was already networking in terms of figuring out like, what's the landscape? Where can I, you know, where can I get a foot in the door? Um, and basically I, I want to say like, yeah, a year and a half, I was kind of applying to roles and Carrick was recruiting, um, for actually a business development associate at that time. And that's something that I applied for. And then actually just the way that it happened, they kind of sunsetted that role and I became an, like a investment analyst. So I got lucky in the sense. Right. Um, and I think that's also kind of like a a big takeaway for me like you just need to put yourself out there and like mm -hmm. i don't know like luck is actually a very big portion of the way that this plays out there's only like you know so many funds and mm -hmm. you gotta kind of like meet the right people and get in front of the right opportunities but that's how i ended up landing i basically ended up using kind of that operating experience to showcase that i could actually be an investor i love it I love it. Yeah. And technical skills kind of like came thereafter and office hours didn't exist at the time. Otherwise, you know, we'd help out, but exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that was the thing. I think I was really nervous about like, you know, how am I going to function in this role without knowing how to model properly? Like I think I definitely mm -hmm. had some confidence because I think, you know, a lot of like analyst roles involve some level of Excel. Right. But there are certain mm -hmm. like, you know, things that you do have to know when you are modeling. Um, but I think I've just gotten this advice throughout my entire career. It's just like modeling is a technical skill set. You can learn it so easily. And that's what ended up happening. Like I, I we took like, I think we had like a training the street, like intensive course for a week. And that really like set a baseline for me of, you know, mm -hmm. how do you do all this stuff? And then from there you actually get, you know, actual like deals to evaluate. And so you kind of build on that. And so it came with time, but yeah, it was a steep learning curve for sure. But 
it was, it worked out. Love it. Love it. No, that's awesome. Honestly, um, I would say kind of like in a wide variety of angles, right? Like these days, more than anything, we hear that EQ is just like a really, really big part of the modeling exam, right? There are a couple of megaphones here in New York. Um, you can eventually kind of like guess the names, right? Um, but they'll do EQ tests beforehand, right? Like full on, give us an understanding of like how it is engaging and interacting with someone. Dario, I've even heard of a couple doing kind of like, hey, listen, let's like go out to dinner, drink, let's see how you act in like a cultural like environment or like an environment that like, are you fit from like a culture perspective? Um, yeah. And then let's get an understanding of like kind of like what that looks like. Maybe like one drink game, couple drinks in, like do any comments come up? Do any like, you know, like Amazing. literally like, let's get an understanding of like how you are. Are you still professional, right? Type yeah. of mentality. And then we'll hit you with the modeling test thereafter. Um, yeah. Which I think says a lot around how people think. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I think, and I, I think it basically ties back to that point really well. Whereas like, I think modeling to a certain degree is kind of a commodity, right? But like, you're right, the EQ, the personality, can I work with this person? Do they have business acumen? Are they curious? Like, can I put them in front of a client? Like all of these things are actually like, wildly more important also like in the long run. Right. And I think like at these funds, right. Like you are talking to founders on a daily basis. You're talking to executives, you're taking like interviews. You need a certain level of yeah. EQ and just. Competency. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. For sure. For sure. Um, can you tell us a little bit more is growth equity kind of like what all it uh, lives up to be. And then of course you went to a different fund as well. Sarah, right. If I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So not so much like comparing and contrasting, but just in general, kind of like um, being able to call on businesses, the sourcing angle. Some individuals tend to shy away from the sourcing angle. They're like, oh, that's not really what I'm looking to do. And then at the same time, it's like not saying you want to be an Excel monkey or not at the same time, but you definitely need both to a certain degree as you progress in seniority. And then arguably, probably more towards like the BD side of the house, probably more sourcing than you do kind of because you'll have resources to do the junior stuff. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Um, So I guess like answering your first question, just in terms of uh, growth, actually, let me clarify. So like, is it like, what, what do you think would be helpful to comment on? Sure. Um, Excuse me, thinking about growth equity from the perspective of sourcing as a whole. Mm-hmm. and what was attractive around that. And then, of course, connecting with businesses um, in that growth equity landscape for someone maybe looking to get into it. Yeah. Um, so growth. So, yeah. So Carrick, I guess, like was at that point is uh, middle market. So a lot of like talking to and trying to source bootstrapped kind of businesses. Um, so I found it extremely interesting. I think it's so intellectually stimulating. Um, and especially like, I don't know, you just keep on, I think like the really interesting part of the job is that aside from actually talking to like very successful people, um, you actually just like get to learn a lot. So for example, like my experience at Carrick, um, so since I had kind of financial, like a financial services background with like the private bank and the rotational program, and then kind of that fintech startup before I was kind of funneled into kind of like developing the like broader fintech 
kind of like theme overall. Um, and so for a really long time, we just, we spent a really long time, like figuring out like, what are the interesting pockets and like, where are the pain points in financial services? Thesis driven stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and there was a really big focus on really putting in the time upfront to learn a market, um, and really like learn all the players and stakeholders and all of their pain points. And then kind of from their work backwards and, you know, figure out like, what's the, you know, kind of like market map of, you know, so like platforms that are solving these issues and basically like Mm -hmm. who's the standout person or not person, but company. Um, and so in that sense, it was just so intellectually stimulating, um, to kind of like develop this understanding of a market. Um, and then in terms of like the actual like tactical piece of like sourcing, like when you develop that understanding, then you go out and kind of like use it. And I think that was also very rewarding in the sense that, you know, yes, like you, there is like a, like you, it is a little bit of a sales process in the sense that like, you know, you're finding, um, founders and like management teams, you're finding their emails, like you're like reaching out to them. You do need to be persistent persistent and creative about it. But then when you actually get them on the phone, like speaking to them and like learning more about their business and like what their future plans are, are they thinking about like raising capital um, and how they basically like think through that process? I think that's just really rewarding, right? Because you're just talking to very um, incredible individuals and kind of forming relationships. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really interesting like, like opportunity early in your career, right? Because I think at that point you start to like develop this understanding of how to develop relationships because there's no way that a founder of like, you know, $10 million business. Yeah, exactly. Is going to get like trust you off the bat. So how do you develop that trust over time and actually like have them come to you before going to banker and then like starting a kind of a formal process. Like, how do you do that? That's um, like, you know, soft skills at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, I think very rewarding, very intellectually stimulating. Um, so that was kind of kind of on the Carrick front and then on kind of the Sarant front. So it was a little bit of a transition for me to Sarant where Sarant kind of like bifurcates completely business development and kind of like execution. Um, And so I actually came in more on like the business development front because I was truly interested kind of like in sourcing um, at that point in time. Uh, And so for me at Sarant, that was like 100% of my job um, across several, several industries. Yeah. Um, Let me know if I can dig in any further on kind of any of those points. Of course, of course. So when it came to, of course, thinking through kind of like that, like bifurcated angle, um, versus kind of like what you're looking to do right now, right? I kind of like don't remember what that looks like. Can you tell us a little bit more around like, okay, so bifurcated looks like this, Mm -hmm. kind of like now I'm focused on both, liked one, like the other better, kind of like, you know, synergy of thoughts and synergy of experiences there. Yeah. um, So, yeah. So I guess in terms of like non-bifurcated and bifurcated, in my experience, it's just, I think, you kind of just use like in a non-bifurcated model, you just get to experience more. Um, if you Mm -hmm. are like, yeah, if you're just kind of like an investment analyst associate, um, I think you get to experience kind of like 
the market analysis, the sourcing, and then kind of like the deal evaluation um, mm -hmm. versus with the bifurcated model, you really are just kind of doing that business development. So you're like really smart on the market. You really know every like company, um, yeah. every player, exactly. Um, and like your goal is just like source, 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 like bring companies in. Um, and so I think it's like, it's actually two very different so in a way, like I think in a non-bifurcated model, it, you kind of have like a more well-rounded skill set or you, like you need a more well-rounded skill set in order to like progress um, at face value. Um, in a bifurcated model, you just have to be like really, really strong, like from a like honestly kind of like a sales perspective, like you still need business acumen. You still like need to know how to like, you know, analyze a business, like all of those things you need to do, but they're just not as important because that's just like not the bulk of your job. Um, from my perspective, I probably like, I just kind of like kind of the more well-rounded like aspects of, you know, like market analysis, sourcing, like deal evaluation versus kind of just the pure sales angle. Um, so I think when I think of my career going forward, um, I think I would probably more so lean that angle, but that's just purely for myself. Like that I'm not, mm -hmm. there's people that are so successful and so good at pure sourcing. Um, mm -hmm. you just need to be like, like head in the game all the time. Yeah. Just Hammer down. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. No, I mean, honestly, so even during uh, time at Battery, right, it was very much so like uh, eat what you kill, sourcing, getting in front of companies. You tend to learn quite a bit around various CCCs, various spaces um, relatively quickly. And I mm -hmm. think that actually has like a lot of value add because you tend to get pretty smart around spaces. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you start getting to know kind of like quite a few players within the space as a whole, I think a lot of that actually carries a lot of weight too. Yeah. Um, just because not only are you getting smart I mean, I guess you have like the financial engineering side. Sure, that's one thing. But if you're really diving deep into a space and you can connect with an entrepreneur, connect with the CEO and speak more about like payroll, payment processing businesses yeah. and know more about the players in the space and have a pretty good understanding around like, of course, kind of like, whether it be add-on M&A, whether it be thinking through, of course, like various drivers, whether it be thinking through like the market as a whole, whether it be thinking through like um, quantitative, qualitative, macro, micro type of theses there as well. Yeah. You're building on a network, not only, of course, you're building on more and more of a specialty, right? So it's like, okay, I want to go more like earlier stage VC. I did a lot of growth equity within this space as a whole. So I know kind of like where these companies are trying to position themselves to be five years down the line. So then if you, I don't know, if you go like earlier stage, it's like, all right, listen, like I want to do web three. I want to do something like payroll, like by the second, by the minute, all of yeah. a sudden it's like, well, I have a pretty good understanding of like what's done well in the market already. So now there's this new entrant and I have a decent understanding of like how they may impact and how they effectively may grow into this in the future too. So true. hundred percent, hundred percent. Are you finding more like early stage um, interesting on your end? Oh, that's a million dollar question. Um, yes and no. I think early stage is, it's definitely like more kind of like dynamic and there's way more of like a networking angle in a sense um, in terms mm -hmm. of just like, I mean, you analyze an early stage business differently than you analyze like a growth stage business. 
Um, Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I actually, I know like for myself, I'm trying to figure out right now, like, what is that sweet spot for me? Is it, um, you know, like very like early focus on the team? Cause yeah, like the team is like- Team and a dream. Team and dream is kind of like, yeah, the way of like very early stage, like seed. Um, or is it, Hey, like this company has financials and, um, what can we do with this? Right. Um, I think I'm personally in trying to figure out kind of what that sweet spot is, but it is, it is wildly different. Right. Right. Yeah. And, um, as you think about this more, well, I mean, I guess if you wouldn't mind me asking call like yeah. today, like day to day, tell us a little bit more about like what that looks like as a whole on your end, if you don't mind me asking, um, on the dorm room side of things. Yeah, for sure. Um, so dorm room fund is uh, super interesting. So like for those that don't know, um, it is, it's been around, I think like for 10 years now, it's like one of the kind of original student VCs was originally funded, um, or seeded by uh, first round and kind of the thesis was, you know, there's a lot of like student founders that are doing school and trying to found a company or like build a business at the same time. Like how do we best support um, those types of entrepreneurs? Like the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world um, early on. Um, and so it's kind of grown since then. And so like what the platform is now is uh, it's kind of a national pro- platform. There's, I want to say like four different regional teams. I'm on the New York plus Midwest team. And there's Love about, um, yeah, 15 of us that essentially meet on a weekly basis to kind of evaluate uh, deals. And the thesis is, you know, they have to be student founders or then needs to be a student founder on um, kind of like the management team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so what does that look like? Um, there actually is a level of like sourcing, like there's a level of sourcing and networking involved, like I think in any Across type of, yeah, um, yeah, you know, uh, part of the cycle, but essentially like, yeah get like being in the market. So for me, what that means is like going to Columbia and being kind of like the face of DRF and just making it known that like, if you are a student founder, come to me for questions and I'll be able to answer them and then kind of like funnel it back to the team. Um, And when you're ready to raise, apply, right? And so, so there's that aspect. But then we also get, um, you know, founders that apply kind of just through our platform. Um, and so we evaluate those deals on a weekly basis and essentially every year make a decision to invest in, I mean, I want to say maybe like five-ish companies a year. Um, they're fairly small checks, um, obviously, because it's, you know, very early stage. But um, yeah, that's kind of kind of the process overall. Nice, nice. And how does one get involved there? um on your end as you kind of like think about this um and feel free to you know speak to it if you're able to speak to yeah. it kind of like is this something that you want to pursue post-graduation as well have you thought about operating experience kind of like going back to that side or it's still kind of like doubling down on finance as a whole yeah um it's a really good question um so i think uh whatever you're able to answer of course uh yeah without yeah, giving away yeah. too much for sure. So with dorm room fund, it is like a very um, kind of like specific program. So you technically can actually only be involved while you are a student yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I love dorm room fund because honestly, like it's just. Oh, you have to be a student through the whole thing. 
you have to be a student through the whole thing. So it's like a very kind of specific program. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Uh, okay. But they've, what they've done a really good job. Like Molly there has done such a good job, just bas- basically like building out a community. So it's kind of like a self-selection process. Like you mm-hmm. apply, right. To be like an investment partner while you're a student, um, you spend time kind of evaluating companies. And I think most of the people that have been in dorm room fund do continue to, um, go into venture specifically, um, more so kind of from my understanding of like the earlier stage, um, so either venture or operating. Um, and I think again, like that self-selection process is, yeah, you get basically people that are fairly entrepreneurial. Um, for me, I'm kind of, yes, thinking through like, do I, I think my key decision point right now is like, where do I want to land? Do I want to go earlier? Like, is that what's most interesting to me? Or do I kind of want to go back to growth? Um, that's something that I am personally working through right now, just kind of, you know, like writing down, like, what is the most, like, where do I find the most like satisfaction? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, And then in terms of your question around just kind of like operating experience, I think to me, operating experience has been critical, like in my career so far. And I think it's critical in the story that I tell when I am recruiting for kind of like any finance focus or like investing focused role. Um, And the reason is that like I've. I've actually been in the shoes of like actually building a company. And so that happened twice in my career so far. It was um, right after City. And then the second time was right after Sarin. And that time is when I worked for a company called SecFi. It's a fintech startup, was there for two and a half years um, and was one of kind of like the early employees there. And like Mm -hmm. that two and a half years is like dog years at a startup. It's just a very long time. Um, yeah. Yep. So for me, kind of like my calculus is I, I think I already, I think I have the operating experience that I need. I have gotten so much value from it. Personally, it. I don't think I will go back to operating at this point. Mm-hmm. I think my path is more kind of investment focused. Um mm-hmm. That being said, I see like, I don't know, I see a lot of people kind of like flip back and forth over the course of their career. And I think this goes kind of back mm-hmm. to the like non-linear nature of all of our career paths. It's like, you know, I see people that have been like senior associates or even VPs at funds, right? And then they go and they're like, you know, the head of strategy or like the head of, you know, go to market for an early stage startup that they're super excited about um, and have high conviction in. And they do that, you know, for, you know, five years and then they go back into investing. So I don't know, yeah. never say never, but for yeah. me, I think yeah. right now investing is, is the path forward. Um, but yeah. again, I am, I do lean on that operating experience quite a bit just to say, yeah. like, say I relate, I relate. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. No, the reason I'm uh, smiling is because like the dog years comment, that is so yeah. true. Um, yeah it's arguably just like so exhausting after some time to consistently like, even during like source script times, right? Like, so Dari and I met um, yeah. in San Francisco. I was with this company for like, maybe like four or five-ish years. Um, but in dog years, that's a long, long time. Um, and you don't, excuse me, you don't think about it. Yeah. When you're in the middle of it. Like now we're going on like year, like three full with office hours. And it's, um, yeah, it's very busy. It's, it's been busy since we started. I um, literally, I don't think there's anything that like 
after some time, like you get like, not necessarily like burnt out or anything of the sort, but like definitely like on path to be. Um, there's kind of that element of like, you have like a VP above you kind of breathing down or someone above you breathing down, telling you to do work in like a corporate setting. Yeah. And then you go to a startup, it's generally just kind of like you driving yourself. So if you're like pretty motivated and like pretty darn type A when it comes to like, okay, my name is on this. So I really, really want to like make sure that it's done appropriately and done right then you're probably going to not really slow down and it's probably going to like ramp and stay ramped for some time. Um, yeah. And it's not so much like at a startup where it's like, Oh, listen, like I'm going to take like a couple of weeks off, chill vacation. If it's like pretty small, like you're probably not going to get like paid during that time if you're not really working. So that's a whole different element of like being bootstrapped. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. The dog years are so, so true. Um, I, yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about, but it's, it's so interesting because like you do learn so much, right. Cause mm-hmm. like you said, you do have to figure it out at the end of the day. Like you're going to have to be making very important decisions that are above, you know, your pay grade, um, honestly. Um, and that is like, so incredibly valuable. So I think like if anybody again on this call is actually thinking about operating experience, I actually very, like, I highly recommend it. Um, because you learn so much in such a short period of time. When I think about it, like, I don't think I could actually go back to investing just like, I mean, I don't know if I could like really go back to it, but also just kind of like just yet, because it's so different in a way. Right. Um, so it's kind of like, if someone were to ask, like, all right, like, give me an understanding of like ratio, give me an understanding of metrics. Sure. That's one thing, but it's not like stuff that I'm necessarily thinking about day in and day out. Right. Because like when you're on the operating side, it's really just kind of like you are in the rocket ship. It's either going to go up or blow up. And all you're thinking about is like basically building, not necessarily taking a step back assessment. Like where do we stand from a financial position right now? Sure. That's important. But at the same time, it's like, listen, like if you tell me that, like where, we're not doing so well or we're doing so well. My MO is still the same. I'm just going to keep pushing forward here. Yeah, exactly. That's what makes you a good entrepreneur though. <laughs> trying, trying. Um, it's tough when you uh, like, I don't know. I think it's like how your brain is wired after some yeah, time. That's fair. That is fair. I don't know. I think um, it's interesting for me because I, I mean, I obviously do like love entrepreneurship. Um, I think I, I'm thinking about it in a little bit of a different way right now, just like, you know, where I am in my life. I, I think I'm fairly interested kind of like in the investing path, just because you do get to see so much and you do kind of take the higher level. Like I love being in the weeds about something that I'm like very passionate about, but I think higher level for me and just seeing a lot, um, is I think more interesting at this point, but it's interesting because like, I was thinking about this earlier and I think a lot of, um, like, I wonder if you felt this way, like if you're investing early in your career, um, I always see this where people are like, how, like they always question themselves around like, you know, I'm talking to these executives, but I'm trying to teach them this like high level like, you know, vision about the market. And yet I don't like, I've never actually like worked in the market and all of this good stuff. Um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Cause like that imposter syndrome definitely, uh, happens, uh, if you don't have operating experience and you're investing, especially kind of, I, I don't want to say like at the mega funds or like buyout, I think, you know, early stage and I think even growth, um, that does occur kind of often. Um, yeah. I mean, I- 
I, I think that definitely makes sense because if you think about it, like um, in my two cents here around like, if you're like a banking analyst and you're just like evaluating companies um, yeah. and then you go to a buyout shop and then again, you're kind of like looking at banks deals and just thinking through kind of like you're based on um, or your assessment is based on the SIM and based on effectively kind of like what the company says and yeah. sure you're going to assess it as a whole and be like, all right, listen, like I remember when we were at, when I was at battery and we would think like, okay, so Technically, like, um, I don't know, like maybe like revenue is a bit lower, customer success churn is a bit higher. It's like, oh, yeah, like let's hire more salespeople, let's hire more sales development, yeah. let's like spend more money on marketing. Um, customer success, it was like, okay, let's hire another customer success manager. It wasn't like really drilling into like the product and thinking through like, okay, like what exactly like might be the reason behind this, right? Like, is it like basically like a workflow thing? Is it an onboarding thing? Do people get lost in the middle? Whereas when you're on the operating side, you're kind of like in the thick of it. Right. Like um, my colleague here for Mosaic, the other company I advise, he's like, oh, like someone had an issue with the trials. So I literally went into the code right then and like fixed it, like the glitch, um, which is awesome. Right. Like that just yeah. doesn't really happen. On the other side of it is it's like, oh, listen, like I'm only going according to the numbers and the numbers are off. Then like I probably won't think about this in the right way. But you don't really know until you're kind of like in the thick of it. And I feel like at some point you're like you tend to think, right? It's like, listen, am I like a 10,000 foot person? Am I like a thousand foot person? Am I in the rocket ship type of thing? Where it's like, you're only subject to the information that you have. And then you start getting like really, really involved because like, if you're an entrepreneur and you're so used to being feet on the ground and getting your hands dirty, you're not going to want to be 10,000 feet unless you're like, like really retired, right? Yeah. And you're like, all right, like now I'm like an EIR. I've done my stint. I want to enable others. Yeah, But if you're used to having like a lot of control, honestly, you're not going to want to just like give that up That's to someone. I don't think That's Unless, I don't know, you get paid out something maybe, but um, it requires a different level of like thinking. And um, I think it's also just kind of like how involved you want to be. That's so true. That's so true. Um, and I think it's, it's interesting. Cause I mean, like with the MBA, right. Like you get the summer internship. And I think for me, it was super interesting. Cause I actually, I mean, there's this like trend also, also kind of in the industry where a lot of product managers are being poached to actually kind of, you know, transition to investing. Cause again, of what you mentioned, like they know the product. Wow. Um, so I was like, let me try out That's this amazing. thing. Yeah. It's been, it's interesting. Yes. Um, yep. Um, but it is so true. Like I got there and I had a great experience, but I was like, yeah, this is very much in the weeds, very much in the wow. weeds. Your product is your tickets. It's your, like, I don't know, everything, like everything that I saw. So, um, it is a very different. As intense as one would think of it as like. In terms of Amazon or product. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's intense. Yeah. It yeah. is intense. Excuse me, because they'll say finance is intense, right? But the reality is like, I mean, I think it still is, but okay. there's so many other industries, there's so many other verticals and companies that tend to bring that level of seriousness and call it commitment to the table that a lot of people don't think about. Yeah, very true. Um, yeah, it's interesting, it's kind of like the juxtaposition of like an Amazon uh, and finance is actually honestly kind of, to me, it was kind of similar in a way. Um, and I can't speak to like the Googles of the world because, you know, that might be a little bit different. But yeah, I think it's just like a get it done 
culture at Amazon, um, which was actually very interesting to see. Um, and actually, I think a lot of people from finance go to Amazon uh, just because it's, you know, you got to gotta get done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you don't mind me asking, um, how is business school and how's yeah. it been going at Columbia overall? Yeah. Um, it's been awesome. Um, yeah, I honestly have been thinking about going to business school probably like since the time that I met you, which was years ago. Um, yeah. always been in the back of my head, but then like you have so many options. Right. And so like, for me, that decision got delayed and delayed and delayed, um, to the point where I was like, okay, well, I have to go now. Um, mm-hmm. and Honestly, it's been, it's been super, super rewarding, um, on, you know, from a number of different perspectives. Um, I think for me, what was super important was like a, I just wanted to really take two years, really invest in myself and like, just, you know, figure out like what I like, what I don't like, what industries and am I, am I excited about? Like, what do I want to learn more about? Like, for example, I'm in this healthcare class right now. I know nothing about healthcare. I've never spent time in healthcare, but this is like, I have, you know, six weeks to really like learn about it and see if I'm excited about it. And that's been super rewarding. Um, And then to like, they say the network, but it actually like, it's so important. Like I have met so many people over the past year. I honestly can't even describe it. Um, And that's been, yeah. And like from a number of different perspectives at school, like different networking events, like internships, dorm room fund, obviously like amazing community. Um, And I don't think I would have gotten an opportunity to like meet as many people otherwise. Like you probably can, but like the effort that you need to put in is kind of extraordinary. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, it's been amazing and I'm very excited for kind of this, this next year, but I will say I'm excited to get back to work too, because <laughs> you are. Nice. Putting- yeah. 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 That's awesome. Um, thinking about staying in New York after. Good question. Million dollar question. Um, Cause you're from SF. I'm from, yeah. Right. So I'm from San Francisco originally. Uh, yeah. So probably think about staying in New York depends. It depends. Um, I'm actually kind of flexible, uh, to, to, you know, come and go wherever, but New York's been really fun. And I think, you know, from actually a venture perspective, it has like, it's just like, there's so much growth here. There's like, you know, everybody's like opening offices that didn't have offices here. There's a lot of like talent and opportunity, and that's been really exciting to watch over the past year. And then obviously kind of from like a, like a you know, later stage finance perspective and just like generally financial services, et cetera. Obviously this is kind of like the financial capital of the world and um, comparing that to San Francisco, it's just so evident. Um, but so, yeah, so we'll see. I, I do obviously have like an interest in tech and I think San Francisco is still very much like the capital of tech um, from my perspective, at least. Um, So I don't know, maybe I'll find like a bi-coastal lifestyle. We'll see. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. I feel you. What, um, what thoughts do you have for anyone looking into SF and it's sad. I mean, I literally wrote that article kind of like um, why moving to San Francisco is the best decision of my life and getting people out there and whatnot. And you have individuals that just like, not necessarily like aren't about it. Um, 
but some that just aren't about it because they don't want to leave New York. And even though it ends up being kind of like the hub of the hub, of course, that is um, technology, FANG, um, would it be West Coast as a whole kind of uh, element there. But yeah, I mean, any kind of like thoughts, tips and tricks, especially because like a lot of people will, I think they should view it as like even like a couple year opportunity, right? And then come back. Yeah. No need to like necessarily like stay there for the rest of your life. And some people are like, oh, it's so far, but like there's so much travel that happens back and forth. Um, and most offices tend to be between like a Boston, New York, SFLA, yeah. right? Or in the middle of Austin, Miami these days, but yeah. True. True. Um, yeah, I um, I mean, maybe I'm biased because I'm from there, but I think San Francisco is a great place to live for two years. Um, I think, you know, I it's interesting because like it's definitely not as dynamic as New York. Like, there's no doubt about that. Like, things close mm-hmm. earlier. There's, you know, people have honestly a more balanced lifestyle. Like on average, there's a lot of you know, like outdoors, as you know, and like way more. I don't know. Yeah, people just like seems like more active in a way, in a Mm way. Um, But it is kind of like San Francisco, like you meet also similarly to New York, you meet so many amazing people Um, and there's so much opportunity there and there's so much like creativity there. I will say it is more focused or like the focus is around tech. Um, It is kind of a bubble in that way. Um, I think I really noticed that when I moved to New York, I was uh, like, oh my God, people have other jobs, right? And people have jobs that like don't touch tech at all and like fashion and, you know, all of these other things. Um, So I think, yeah, like if you do, like if you're thinking about moving to San Francisco, you do have to realize that tech is like a very big presence there. Mm -hmm. Um, You might get sucked in if you're not already. Um, But also, yeah, it's like, it's a very nice lifestyle. And I think people from New York might actually discover that they have passions outside of work (laughs) if they move to San Francisco. Um, Like, yeah, going on the hike or like, you know, like exploring like wine country or like, you know, going down to Big Sur. Like there's so much cool stuff in California. I'm not going to say there's obviously a downside in San Francisco, um, but I don't know. It's just nice. It's just way more balanced from my perspective. So I would highly recommend. Um, and then LA too is a good yeah. option, but that's also kind of a different beast. Totally. I, I don't disagree. I think, um, I guess like the older that we get and the more that you effectively like learn that like, okay, like work takes up like a good portion of your life. And it's not so much like consistently like going out there after and like extremes, right? Like New York is a city of extremes, which is kind of sad. Um, it gets to be a lot very, very quickly. And that's something like honestly looking to move to Brooklyn because uh, it's a little bit like my friend was like, oh, like it's like not really like financy and like unplugged from like the day-to-day like work. And yeah. Like, and he's like, oh, but you live in San Francisco, so you probably understand. I was like, yeah, totally. Like yeah. if you think about it, like San Francisco is beautiful, like amazing weather. Like sure, there is that like, those like unfortunate headlines of like homeless people, but it's not like that doesn't exist in New York. Um, but you have amazing weather, like most of the time, if anything, it's like full on, like uh, Patagonia weather most of the time. Yeah. Um, beautiful, like the Tahoe, Marin, obviously like technology and software, but the yeah. reality is like most things are going in that direction anyway, amongst most industries. I totally so that agree. helps. Totally. Yeah. Um, I think LA is arguably like even like another level of like better weather. 
Yeah. Um, I don't think that there's like a perfect city to tell you the truth. Like London's great, but like obviously like the weather is like some so-so there. Like Miami, they'll say like for what it's worth, like, you know, yeah. like you have like better weather, but that like it won't have kind of that like New York type A like personality all the time. Yes. Which take it for what it's worth, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, there is no perfect place. You're, you're totally right. I think it just depends on where you are, like in your career and just generally in life, like, and what you're looking for. But yeah, I don't know. I'm a huge proponent of San Francisco. I think honestly, I can definitely see myself kind of moving back there, um, in the long run, but yeah, New York has just so much to offer right now. If you're still kind of like looking for, just like that creativity, excitement, like constant go, 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 um, which I've committed to in business school. So I have like, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> here for it. Yeah. Yeah. Do a lot of individuals from a Columbia tend to stay? Um, do you think like kind of like within that, like tri-state area, East coast type of thing, or is it more um, going the other direction of like, are people going West coast as well, evaluating yeah. Um, so I think it's, so yes, to answer your question, I think a lot of people, Columbia, a lot of people like stay in the area. And I think that's kind of an interesting aspect about Columbia. It's just like, there's a lot of people from New York and the tri-state area, a lot of people in finance. I think Columbia is, you know, trying to get away from the, um, I guess like the stereotype of being like a finance school, but it's still like a very, pretty heavy finance school, but we're like making moves. Um, and finance is still like, there's a lot of finance in New York. Um, but I think that there are trends. Like I definitely see trends people of people like moving out to the West coast. I think tech is becoming like a huge Avenue, like traditionally, like in business school, um, consulting banking or like, paths that most people go down. Um, tech is like, it's not even emerging anymore. It's just huge. It's like the third path. It's a little bit less structured. Um, but a lot of tech is still out on the West coast. So like with Amazon, for example, still a lot of kind of like the post MBA jobs are majority in Seattle. Um, and, um, obviously a lot like in San Francisco, I've heard of some stuff in LA, like more kind of like on the defense side and obviously like entertainment, um, media and entertainment, um, Austin less so from my understanding right now. Um, but I think like one or two people kind of like every year. Um, but yeah, CBS has, it's like, it's a very big New York presence. Totally. Totally. And, uh, I actually do have a question here. I'm just going to copy and paste it in. Oh, yeah. Um, but basically, like, kind of, like, comparing and contrasting, um, like, growth equity um, versus kind of, like, the operating experience as a whole, right? Like, and I know we spoke a little bit about operating. It makes you a better growth equity investor. Do you think, like, going the investing route makes you better of an operator? <laughs> Excuse me. The question, respectively, is, of course, like, you can go yeah. from um, investing to operating. Do you think you can go vice versa? operating to investing? Yeah. Um, I think yes. Um, but I will say it's not as common, right? Not as common. It's not as common. I think like the biggest takeaway though is like, and this is just kind of how I've approached life. It's just like, mm -hmm. you can hustle and do it. I think it really depends yeah. on the people that you meet, honestly, at the yeah. end of the day. Um, cause I think like if you get 
if you get a connection, like if you're, I don't know, working at a startup, like there's just so many angles that you can take, right? Like if you're working at an amazing startup, they obviously have investors. Like, can you actually network your way into a project where you're like working closely on like a fundraise or something along those lines? Um, can you get an introduction there and then kind of like, you know, if they have an opening or raise a new fund, kind of, you know, make a case for why you can, mm-hmm. I don't know, be employed there. But yeah, you're yeah. right. It is, it is more difficult. And I think you do have to lean on connections more, but I will say like, never say never. You just gotta like, gotta like hustle and do it. Um, yeah. It's a possible. lot of outrage, getting in touch with people, figuring yeah. out how they did it. I don't, I don't think anything's like impossible these days by any means. Yeah. Yeah. It really isn't. And I think like to the point, um, like earlier, I feel like I'm just seeing so many, like, yeah, again, like product managers, high growth startups, like getting poached to do venture. Um, and that's operating to investing, but again, like maybe like less growth, maybe a little bit more earlier stage. Um, but it's happening. Um, and I think like that, that technical skill set, not technical in like the finance sense, but like more technical of like, oh, I understand how this product works. And I understand like the market and what's important to customers and why customers buy. And like all of this, all of that is becoming really important um, to funds because yeah, then the investor actually like understands the underlying tech of a business in a way. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you can invest in good companies. And that's, and that's really like the most important thing (laughs) at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, But yeah, just to kind of like summarize investing to operating is way easier. I would say. Yep. Are you finding it to be pretty darn difficult? Um, And what are your thoughts on kind of like the market as a whole? Um, And you'll see all those jokes online around like, Oh, like VCs helping out companies and vice versa. But like, I don't know, like the value that the VCs provide and nothing against it. I think that's definitely there. Um, and it's been more like the butt of all jokes or many jokes recently. Um, but how has it been finding companies as a whole? And of course, I don't mean anything by that. I'm thinking more about like the traditional, traditional VCs um, that yeah. have just been like, yeah, I mean, some of the bigger names, which are just like interesting. I mean, I think like at the earlier stage side, it makes like a ton of sense. Obviously, growthier is a little bit more interesting because it's kind of the, you know, wood chips on the fire at some point, maybe like, and I, it's really just like those, some of the meme accounts I follow, some of the videos that I follow, yeah. where like, oh, like a year ago, it wasn't much diligence. Let's just throw money at it. And now it's like, oh, wow, like a ton more diligence. Right. Yeah. Um, so sorry, your question is just like, I guess it's like the market. Yeah. Like the market's interesting. Yeah. I mean, people are definitely way more conservative now. Um, which is, I think good to be honest. I think like where, I mean, when I was working at SecFi, right. We were looking at pre IPO companies. Like we were kind of the, like in the secondary space. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just interesting because like you're underwriting these deals and you're like, no, like, no, nothing can go wrong. Like what's going to go wrong. Right. Like the valuations are only going up, but like now there's a correction and that's not the case. And I think honestly, mm-hmm. like, it's not great, but at the same time, like we've been looking for a correction for years. Um, and so I think that like discipline is actually really, really good. Um, and I think it's kind of normalizing the market. Um, in terms of like getting into deals, 
Uh, yeah, I think I'm kind of seeing these trends of like, yes, VCs need to be helpful. Um, I think more like VCs from what I can tell are actually kind of like investing in, um, basically like their platform teams, operations, um, like their content strategies, like all of this stuff, just to, in order to like differentiate and kind of like add value to the founder, which is actually amazing, um, at the end of the day, um, yeah, I kind of like, I love to see it, but yeah, there's definitely, um, there's always going to be competition for good deals. Like there's always going to be competition for good deals. Um, and so it's, it's nice to see that, um, you know, it's more than money. Um, but yes, you're right. Like growth equity is a little bit different. Like later stage is a little bit different. Um, but there's, I mean, yeah, I feel like growth equity is also trying to differentiate, right? Like they are also adding content strategies and they're also like, you know, years in review. And like, these are like, you know, like, look at our operating partners. Like they have experience in X, Y, Z and like all this good stuff. Yeah. Um, there's just like a big marketing push. I, I think even mm -hmm. in that section of the world. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then any questions on our end and we're, we're literally at the credit time right now, which is great. Yeah. Um, then um, I told you it was going to fly by. Yeah. It flew by. Um, yeah, no questions, but like if anybody is interested in kind of like chatting, obviously reach out to me. Um, I guess I can like send you my email and then you can send it around. Sure. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you hire um, investment analysts as well that are looking to get experience? Like, what does that look like if you don't mind me asking for dorm room? For dorm room fund, unfortunately not. Uh, so the way that it works is like you actually have to be a student. So if anybody like... like Anyone any within the org. Anybody. Everyone, excuse me. So they do have like, or we do have like an HQ team, but they don't like necessarily... There's like, you know, maybe five people. Um, and so it's pretty lean. Um, but if anyone's going to go to business school or like pursue like a master's degree, um, I would highly recommend joining or trying to join dorm room fund. Um, because it's like, it's just an incredible community. And I think like across a variety of schools, HBS, GSB, Wharton, Columbia, what have you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we have like a Boston team. So that's like, yeah, Sloan, HBS, et cetera, um, New York team. And then we specific have specific like schools or it's kind of, it varies just business school. It varies. Yeah. It's like, just, you know, we evaluate the person, um, at the end of the day and just obviously interested in like entrepreneurship and, um, venture capital, but yeah, that's it awesome. Matter what school. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, look forward to hearing kind of like what you get into thereafter yeah. as well. Thanks. Um, I'm excited. <laughs> totally. Thank you for the time. Um, and then let's definitely catch up over drinks or something next week. If you're around. I'm I'm around. Let's do it. <laughs> love it. Love it. Thanks again, Dario. And thanks Great. everyone for joining. Bye.